Hello, I'm Drew Cat, and welcome back to Ed Choice Chats. Today, we're discussing a new brief by Cardinal Institute for West Virginia Policy and Ed Choice, exploring West Virginia's private education sector. Mike Shaw and I surveyed leaders of West Virginia private schools on a range of topics, which I am excited to discuss today with Garrett Ballingy, Cardinal Institute's Executive Director. Welcome to the podcast, Garrett. Thanks for having me, guys. Happy to be here. Yeah, so before we get into this new research, would you tell our listeners what educational choice options West Virginia currently provides parents? <laughs> sure. So first, I want every listener to imagine a, a vast, hot, dry desert and then equate that to school choice. We are one of the few states in the nation that has no form of choice, whether it be public charter schools or private options like ESAs and vouchers and, and tax credit scholarships. So unfortunately, we are one of the last states whose population can enjoy those kinds of options. Mm. Well, we did ask private school leaders about their awareness of tax credit scholarships and education savings accounts, or ESAs. And nearly half of West Virginia private schools know about the concept of ESAs, and slightly more than one-third are familiar with tax credit scholarships. Garrett, how would you say awareness is locally of these types of school choice options among schools and families? And could you describe some of the efforts on the ground to educate school leaders about potential choice programs? Sure, yeah. So we, amongst our kind of close coalition, I would say, awareness is quite high about ESAs and tax credit scholarships and the kinds of things those, those opportunities could bring to their respective schools. You know, when we first got the results back, I kind of flip-flopped between being encouraged and slightly discouraged. On the one hand, I think it's a great thing. You know, ESAs have really only been a topic of discussion for about three years here in West Virginia. And so you see about half of the schools are aware of that program. But the other side of me was like, well, gosh, we still have a lot of work to do. I mean, this has been in the news a lot. We've done a lot of online marketing and going to kind of statewide school conventions and reaching out to private school leaders and just informing them of the opportunity and trying to build coalitions around ESAs and private school choice and things like that. So when you kind of look back at all the blood, sweat, and tears that we put into this, and we're still hovering at that 50-50 number, it was somewhat discouraging. But on the other hand, these things take time. As you guys know, as well as anyone, ESAs are a new concept starting in 2011. And so I, I do think that we'll kind of hit a tipping point here in a number of the schools. So hopefully we can get that number as close to 100% as possible because ESAs are such an opportunity for private schools in West Virginia. Yeah, and that would be very cool. Well, the data shows high percentages of West Virginia private schools say they would or probably would participate in these types of school choice programs, which is positive for school choice advocates. And one thing that does hold private school leaders back is the potential burden of certain regulations that would come with these programs. And what are you hearing from private school leaders in terms of their concerns with potential choice programs and what specifically do you think is giving them pause? Well, if you look at the survey, so the number one area of concern as it relates to regulation was curriculum and instruction, right? So these guys are very nervous about any kind of additional regulations being foisted on them by insert regulatory body here. That was the highest intensity was curriculum and instruction. Whatever we talk to people about these kinds of issues. That is one of the first questions that I tend to get is, well, what strings come attached, right? With government shekels come government shackles. And I think these leaders are aware of that as much as anybody. 
They're also concerned about things like certification and teacher licensure. That's something that opponents of school choice and education reform talk a lot about, particularly as it relates to charter schools. Well, oh my goodness, you guys could hire unlicensed, uncertified teachers. And so therefore, we need to put additional regulations to ensure that doesn't happen. So that's something that the, the private school leaders here in West Virginia are very aware of. They want the flexibility to be able to hire and create a staff that will best serve their constituency and their community. And so naturally, you would expect them to be a little bit nervous about regulation. And, and the data certainly says that. The survey bore that out. Yeah. And interestingly enough, one of my first research projects when I joined this organization was looking at these rules on private schools through these programs, kind of looked at the 12 oldest programs. And fascinatingly enough, the regulatory area that program regulations affected the least, or one of the least, was the curriculum and instruction. So it's just fascinating that I've seen time and time again that these private school leaders are concerned about that when, in reality, not a lot of the programs out there actually touch curriculum and instruction. Yeah, that's a great point. I think a lot of that, at least as it relates to West Virginia, is there's still a lot of discussion about Common Core here or kind of what what the remnants of Common Core are. And so if anytime you go to kind of a community meeting or kind of a coalitional meeting of, of folks that are interested in education reform, Common Core still comes up. And so to some extent, we're, we're still haunted by the specter of Common Core here. All right. Well, I'm excited to talk about how the data from this survey informs some of the common claims made about school choice. So EdChoice is a national organization, so we hear lots of arguments on a national scale. And we hear people say there's not enough space in private schools to fill the demand choice programs create. And private schools don't accept students with special needs. Private schools are still too expensive even if families get scholarships or vouchers or ESAs. Now, Garrett, do you hear some of these same claims locally? And could you give us a sense of the local sentiment before we talk numbers? Yeah, so there are a couple of things going on there that I, that I think are pretty interesting, at least as, as they relate to West Virginia. So West Virginia is one of the poorest states in the country. And so there's always this sort of class consciousness, I could say, that, that kind of occurs here. And so, you know, most people, especially given the fact that we have really no education choice options here, most people by a huge number go to public schools, right? And so the kids that do go to private schools, whether they be Catholic schools or otherwise or Montessori, or anything related to that, there is this narrative that gets built around, well, the only people that can send their kids to those schools are the doctors, right? Or the engineers or the, the vice president and his wife at the bank. Something like that tends to really prevail. But what I think was pretty interesting is the numbers that we got back on median tuition levels, right? So the median tuition in West Virginia across all schools and private schools, $4,000. Very reasonable. And as the survey had reported, there is quite a range there, right? You know, I think it was $1,800 to, to well over $10,000 tuition and fees there. But I think if most people saw that, oh my goodness, the median tuition is only $4,000. Well, suddenly that takes it out of the realm of only the very upper middle class in West Virginia to folks that may not be necessarily very well off. But unfortunately, I think for most folks here, even $4,000 a year is probably out of the out of the realm of possibility for, for most people in West Virginia, which is why it's so important that we get these kinds of programs in place to help those people have those opportunities. Yeah. And while it is definitely important to point out that uh, median cost of $4,000, we did find that on top of that, 73% of private schools already offer their families financial assistance to attend. 
And Garrett, I want our listeners to have some context and that West Virginia public schools spend about $11,000 per pupil each year. And what could this cost out of mean for families you work with every day? So, I mean, I think, I mean, it would be a huge help, right? So like if you're looking at an ESA or just tu- uh, tuition assistance on the part of private schools, that goes a very, very long way. And whether or not, you know, the $3,200 ESA, which is what's been in discussion a lot here in West Virginia, which approximates to about 75% of the state portion of the funding formula here in West Virginia, that's a huge help to a lot of families, right? So if you're looking at the median tuition is 4000 the ESA is $3,200, you're looking at 800 bucks for the average family to come up with to send their kid to an institution or a learning environment that best suits his or her needs. So that would go very far. And, you know, I've talked to a lot of private school leaders to talk about. They don't necessarily like to broadcast it, per se, but they do have very generous supporters and things like that, that there is scholarship money there for these families that, you know, if their kid is just not fitting in at the public school, but you don't think you can afford it, come down and talk to us, right? Let's just talk about it and to see what we can work out to the benefit of the child. So there's a lot of opportunities there. I think the choice ecosystem outside the legislative environment is somewhat rich here. And I think these kinds of data can, can inform these discussions for us. Yeah, and we often, again, back to the claim of here that there's not enough space to fill the demand that a program would create. Well, the good news is we do have the data to look at. And when it comes to the question of whether there's enough supply to meet demand, we found that West Virginia private schools have at least 1,786 open seats. And that's just the number of seats as reported by the respondents in our survey. And based on current enrollment, we projected an estimate of all West Virginia private schools open seats to be about 6,300. And how did you react when you first learned about these numbers? Were you surprised at all? I was. I was surprised on the positive side. You know, it's it's nice to know that you know, regardless of the kinds of legislation that gets enacted or anything like that, just that aside, that there are institutions there that have space. And as we've seen in other data points in the survey, the willingness to accept additional students in order to help them or to facilitate their education. You know, just by way of context, I mean, West Virginia is a small state, relatively speaking. It's uh, 1.8 million people. You know, the largest high schools in West Virginia tend to be right around that 1,500 to 1,800 enrollment. And so really the way I sort of took this is if if you sort of extrapolate that out, like we did in the survey, 6,000 seats available, I mean, you're looking essentially the equivalent of the three largest public high schools in West Virginia that have seats open completely ready to accept kids to private school. And so that's sort of how I took that data is like, my goodness, the three largest schools in West Virginia, technically speaking, would have every seat open just in the private side of things. Wow, that is really fascinating context. Well, before we sign off, is there anything else you'd like to add? No, I don't think so. I think it's just important that that folks understand the the, the value of these kinds of surveys and this data. And maybe I'll just speak briefly to kind of reformers and choice advocates. We have a lot of work to do. (laughs) You know, just conveying the benefits of choice programs to really the folks that if you look at the data in other states stand to benefit the most apart from the students and children themselves, the private institutions. And so I would just encourage everyone to continue to reach out, to continue to build coalitions around this issue. And um, maybe at least in West Virginia, we can take that awareness from 50% up to 100%. So that's probably how I would close that. Yeah, that's a great target. 
Well, thank you so much for taking the time with us today, Garrett. All right, thanks for having me. Well, that's all for this episode. Thanks again to our listeners for tuning in. As always, be sure to subscribe for more Ed Choice Chats, and we'll catch you next time. Take care. Thank <laughs> you.